Right, good evening, everybody. You want to find your place, we'll go ahead and get started. So our text tonight, if you want to follow along, um, for those of you that may be visiting, we are going through the book of Romans. Um, we started in August of 2020, and uh, we have made it to the end of chapter 13. We'll finish, uh, finish this chapter tonight. Romans 13, 11 through 14, and the title of our lesson is Knowing the Time. Let's go ahead and read our verses. The Apostle Paul is writing and he says this, Besides this, you know the time, which of course is where I got the title, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So Paul starts this last section of chapter 13, and he says this, besides this, now that tells us that he's referring to something that he's just said. So he says, besides this stuff that I just said, you know the time. So what's he talking about? Well, as we come to the end of chapter 13, if you go all the way back to chapter 12, Paul has spent about two chapters telling us how to love. For example, in chapter 12, verse 9, he says, let your love be genuine, not, don't love like a hypocrite, let it be real. In verse 10, he says, love one another with brotherly affection. In verse 14, he says, bless those who persecute you. Verse 17, repay no one evil for evil. Verse 19, don't avenge yourselves. Verse 20, if your enemy is hungry, and feed him. And then, as we came to chapter 13, he says, no, owe no one anything except to love each other in verse 8. And then in verse 10 last week, he said, love is the fulfillment of the law. So now here at the end of chapter, as we get to the end of chapter 13, Paul says, besides this, you know the time. What's he saying? He's saying, besides this, besides the motivations for love, all of those things that I've told you about love, and, I, and I've given you all these motivations for loving one another, besides this, here is another motivation for you. You know the time. The uh, New Living Translation says it like this. If you go back to verse 9 and read, it says this, Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Now, the question I want to put before you tonight, Paul says to us, he makes an assumption. He said, you know the time. Now, here's my question tonight for us. Do you, as a Christian, really understand the time that Paul is referring to? Now, I ask this question because I'm afraid many Christians don't understand the time that we live in. In fact, if I went out and asked most, most, Christ, most Christians, I said, explain the time that we're living in. I would probably get an explanation something like this. Some people might say, well, we live in the age of, of darkness. We live in an age of, of sin and, and unrighteousness and pain and death and darkness and all of that. But one day, one day we're going to die. And when we do, we're going to cross over the Jordan. 
and we're going to enter into an age of righteousness and light and, and, and joy and peace and no more sorrow and no more pain. Most people see time like that, but would it surprise you to know that's not how the Bible sees it at all? That's not how the Bible sees the time that we live in. The, the thing that we need to understand about the time in which we live is the Bible says that we live in an overlap between two ages. It's not that one age stops and another age begins. We actually live in an overlap between the age of darkness and the age of light. So these two actually overlap, and we live in the gray area. That's what the Bible teaches. So we, we live in an age between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. We live in an overlap age between an age of sin and an age of righteousness, between an age of darkness and an age of light, between an age of mortality and an age where everything is eternal. You see, let me explain how this is. Do you understand at the heart of Christianity is the truth that when Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem, the final age began? Does everybody understand that the Bible teaches that? For example, 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says this, Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction. Paul was talking about himself and other Christians on whom the end of the ages has come. So Paul said the end of the ages are here. This, this last age that's going to exist on this earth is already come. The writer of Hebrews says this in chapter 9, verse 26. He has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Another way to look at this is this way. When Jesus Christ came to this earth, the kingdom of God arrived. Does everybody understand that? For example, in Mark 1.15, Jesus said this, The time is fulfilled. He didn't say the kingdom of God is coming. What did he say? The kingdom of God is, is here. When I came, the kingdom of God arrived. Colossians 1.13 says this, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and has already transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. It's not something that happens one day. It's already happened. Now here's the mystery. The mystery is that although this new this kingdom of God has arrived, this new age of light and righteousness has begun, the age of darkness has not ceased. You see, this is what caught the Pharisees so unawares. This is what they could not understand. They thought that when the Messiah come, he would do away with sin. He would do away with darkness. He would do away with unrighteousness. But that was never the plan at all. And so they couldn't see this Jesus as this, this, this king, this Messiah, this Savior, because they thought it was all about this earth. But Jesus said, my kingdom is, is, is not of this world. That's, that's not what this is, this is about. This is a spiritual kingdom. But they couldn't understand that. So the mystery that we have is the kingdom of God is here right now. And it's real. But it overlaps with the kingdoms of this world. Everybody see that? The two actually overlap between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. We live in an overlap between the age of darkness and the age of light. This is the time that Paul is referring to when he says, you know the time. You know the time. In fact, he uses an analogy here that he uses often, and that is the analogy between night and day. And I'll show you in his 
uh, in his text how he talks about these two kingdoms uh, overlapping. Let's go back and read it again. And I want you to notice how many times he talks about things that, to do with the night. Sleeping, uh, darkness, uh, and then he talks about the day, being awake, all of those things. Watch how many times he does this. He says this, Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime. And he goes into different works of darkness and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. So you can see this analogy. The age of darkness refers to night and sleeping and the age of light refers to daytime and being awake. And he, he uses this analogy. Now, he does this often. Okay, it's not the, Romans is not the first time he's done it. In fact, he does it another time in his letter to the church at Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Watch what he says here. Now, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Listen, every single Christian was taught from the very beginning that Jesus is coming back. Every single Christian was taught Jesus is coming back and it could be soon. So Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica and he says, I don't even need to tell you this. I shouldn't have to tell you this. I don't need to tell you this because you already know it. He writes to the Romans and he says, besides this, you know the time. So he says, you already know what I'm about to write to you. You already know what I'm telling you this because you've been taught from the very beginning. Jesus is coming back. And Paul says when he comes, he's going to catch people off guard because he's coming like a thief in the night. Now remember his analogy, the age of darkness and the age of light. Now watch what he says. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. So Paul says when he comes, he's going to catch some people. It's going to be like a thief in the night. They're going to have no idea it was happening. But not you, Paul says. Not Christians. You will not be caught off guard. Now notice why he says this. He says, you are not in darkness, brothers and sisters. For that day to surprise you like a thief. You are children of light. You are children of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. So let us not sleep as others do, but let us stay awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation... For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice something. When Paul talks about this age of darkness, okay, he, 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 he doesn't just refer to things like sin. and he, he lists a lot of bad things, right? Orgies and sexual immorality and, and quarreling and jealousies and all of these kind of things. Now, that's all true because we live in this, there is an age of darkness, but that's not the only thing he says. What he says is that's not a reality for Christians. Let me explain with a picture. It's probably easier here. I said we live right now in an overlap between two ages, the age of darkness 
and the age of light. You could call it the age of night and the age of day. And this is the overlap between the two comings of Jesus Christ. Unbelievers live in darkness. Unbelievers live in darkness. They don't know about the light. So they just continue living in darkness. That's why when Jesus comes back, he will catch them like a thief in the night because they live in the night. They are completely unaware of the light. They're unaware of Christ. They will be caught like a thief in the night, but not you and me. Why? Because we don't live in the night. We don't live in the darkness. We're children of the light. We're children of the, of the day. We are fully aware of Jesus. We are fully aware that he's coming back. So we're waiting. We're watching. We're looking. We, that's why Paul says, you're not like them. You don't live where they live. You live in the light. So we live in the overlap, yes, but we are not controlled by the darkness. We're not controlled by sin. We're not controlled by unrighteousness because we are children of the light. We're children of light because Jesus has come and now we belong to the day. Now, here's the thing. That's all great, but... Paul expects this knowledge to motivate us in some way. That's why he's telling us. He, he wants to motivate us. So how should this knowledge motivate us? Well, look at the New Living Translation once more. It says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others, so love fulfills the requirements of God's law. This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. So what Paul wants us to see here is he, is he, he's encouraging us to let us to, to, so that our knowledge of the time that we live in, he wants that to motivate us to love one another. Okay? Now, he mentions at least three things in this passage that he wants to use to motivate us. Okay? Let me give you the first one. He says this, The night is far gone. The day is at hand. Of course, I've already told you the night stands for this current age of death and misery and sin and darkness and pain and suffering and sorrow. And what does Paul say about it? It's almost over. It is far gone, okay? It, it is almost over. Now, some of you might say, well, you know, think about it this way. When Jesus came, the age of light dawned. It's a sunrise, if you will. And you might say, well, that's 2,000 years is a really long sunrise, right? But the Bible doesn't think about it that way. The way the Bible looks at it is, look, Jesus has come. He died on a cross. He rose from a grave. He defeated sin and death and hell and Satan. The battle is over. The kingdom of God is here. That's the way it looks at it. See, when the sunrise, you know, if you ever get up in the morning and you see the sun coming up, if you just stand there for a second and look at it, and you kind of, you're trying to watch it move, you can't really see anything, right? You go back inside, you get a cup of coffee, and you come back out, and now it's, you know, it's, it's risen. Sometimes when we look at it that way, it seems to be happening very slow. But here's the thing. When the sun starts coming up, it's coming up. It's coming. The dawn, you can't stop it. There's nothing can stop it. Listen, the kingdom of God is here, and there is nothing that's going to stop it. The kingdom of light is here, and there is nothing that's going to stop it. I don't care if it takes 2,000 years or 2,500 years or 3,000, whatever it takes. The kingdom of light is here. And the full there's coming a time where there will be no more darkness, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering, all tears wiped away. That is going 
to happen. Paul says, you know the time. Number two, salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. I was thinking this week about some people I know. Uh, some of y'all don't know John Brown. John Brown was a board member here, probably about my age, came home one day, uh, sat down, and he never got up. See, John Brown doesn't see the Lord through a glass darkly anymore. He sees him face to face. Perry Kennedy, one of our board members here, gone to see the Lord face to face. Miss May, one of our long members. I could go on and on and in. See, the fact is here, there may be somebody in a seat right here that you're going to see the Lord within a year. You're going to see him within one year. There's others here that within 10 years, you, you won't see him darkly anymore. You'll stand before him and see him face to face. I mean, we're not talking long time, guys. We, our day of salvation is nearer. I believed when I was 11 years old, and I'm 59. I don't have much time left. I don't have much time left. I'm going to see him face to face. Paul says it's urgent. Know the time. Your salvation is nearer. You don't have that much time to work. So get to it. So, okay, anyway, i got to go on. I'll stay on that one for a while. Number three, you know the time. The hour has come for you to wake from sleep. Sleeping, the Bible refers to people in this age as sleeping. In essence, you can think of it this way. They're sleepwalking. Think of it that way. Unbelievers are sleepwalking. Think about all the stuff they're doing. They're, 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 they're putting balls through a hoop or hitting balls out of a stadium or throwing touchdown passes and making millions of dollars. And they're making movies and they're getting famous and making tons of money and we got all these scientific advancements and, and business is growing and industry and they're merging companies and they're doing all this stuff and they're just sleepwalking. They're just sleepwalking. They are asleep. They have no idea what it means to live in the light of the glory of Jesus Christ. You have no clue. They think they're doing all this stuff, and they literally are just walking through life asleep. That's what Paul wants us to see. Paul wants us to see that this is the hour for being awake, not asleep. And here's the thing. You and I, folks, we need to be very, very careful. Because everything in this world that is not awakening faith in Jesus Christ in your life has one other purpose, and that is to put you back to sleep. Let me say that again. Everything in this world, TV and advertising and, 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 and sex and, and alcohol and money and careers and all these things that they wave in front of you, if it's not awakening faith in Jesus Christ, it's designed to put you back to sleep. You need to be very, very careful. You and I need to be investing in things in our life that awaken us to the realities of Jesus Christ. By the way, kudos to you here tonight because this is exactly what you're doing. You're doing exactly the right thing tonight. You're investing your time. You could be, you could be home doing something else. But you're investing in your time in the Word of God. You're awakening the reality of Jesus Christ in your heart and in your soul. And that's exactly what you should be doing. It's exactly. Don't go. Don't let these things lull you to sleep. Finally, Paul tells us what to wear when we wake up from our sleepwalking. Let's read verses 12 through 14 again. 
He says, So then, let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness and sexual immorality and sensuality, quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. So basically what Paul is saying here is take off your pajamas and put on your armor. Take off your pajamas. You've been living the life just sleeping in your pajamas. Get rid of them and put on your armor. Now this tells us a couple things. Number one, for the Christian life, is a battle. For the Christian, life is a battle. To be awake is to be at war. To be awake is to be fighting. Now listen, I want to stop right here, and we need to be very, very clear about something. I want to make sure you understand something. Paul is making an assumption here. He says, you are children of the day. In other words, you are born again. You are indwelt by the Spirit of God. You are a new creation. You have been given a new heart. You have already passed from darkness into light. You've already been transferred from the king. All those things have already happened. Everybody with me? That's what Scripture teaches. You're already children of God. You're already children of the day and children of the light. Well, then what are we fighting for? If the battle's already been won, why are we fighting? Why would we put on the armor? Well, here's what you need to understand. The clothes, the armor, the fight, they don't make you a child of God. They show that you're a child of God. They don't make you a child of God. God does that. God changes you on the inside. What these things do when you're fighting and you're putting on the armor and you're engaging in battle, it doesn't make you. We're not fighting to get to heaven. I'm not fighting to do all that. I'm already a child of God. What I'm doing is I'm showing that I'm a child of God. Let me show you that in Scripture, Colossians 3.12. Great Scripture. You need to write this one down. Paul says this, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Paul says, you're already chosen. You're already holy. You're already loved. Then put on compassion and kindness and humility and meekness and patience. In other words, put on the character that reflects who you really are. Remember what I said earlier? See, some people think, well, I'm just going through this life and I'm going to struggle and then I'm going to die and I'm going to get this new body and all those. No, Paul says start putting those things on now. Put them on now. You've heard me say this. I started living my eternal life in July of 1974. 11 years old, that's when my new life began. That's when my eternal life began. I don't wait till I die. I've been, I've been living, what is that, 48 years? I, for 48 years, I've been living my eternal life. I should be growing in compassion and kindness. I should be every single day becoming more and more and more like Jesus. Because that's why he did it, to conform us to the image of his son. Not when we die, but right now. Because the part that's changing on the inside is eternal. The outside, the body, is just fading away. It's dying. But the inside, the eternal part, is not going to somehow... It's just going to pass from one state to another. It's just going to go from the mortal to the immortal. Start acting now like you really are. That's what Colossians 3.12 says. That's what Paul is saying in, 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 in a very like manner. Put on the armor. Put on the armor. Start acting like the warrior 
that you really are. He's calling us to be what we already are in Christ. You are children of the light. Live like it. Act like it. Dress like it. Now, let's go back real quick. Just a couple more minor things. Paul says, put on the armor of light. Okay, you guys know I want to ask questions. Okay, what is that? You know, it's, it's a nice term, the armor of light, but, but what is it? Well, Paul doesn't tell us in Romans, but he does tell us in Ephesians chapter 6, and we won't go there, but you all know Ephesians 6, put on the whole armor of God, right? You can go read that when you get home tonight. But I want you to hear what he says in 1 Thessalonians. Let's go back and read that again. He says, for those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So in Romans, he says, put on the armor of light. He doesn't give us a lot of details, but in Thessalonians, he tells us a little bit more about this armor. He says, put on the breastplate of faith and love, and put on the helmet of salvation. Now, Again, we could go to Ephesians 6 and we could talk about the, 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 you know, the sandals on the feet, the um, uh, you know, gird up your loins with the belt of truth and the sword of the Spirit. We could go into all that. But I want to focus on these two tonight because these are important. Because the helmet and the breastplate protect your mind and your heart. Protect your mind and your heart. And biblically, the Bible understands that your heart is a little organ, but when you talk about the Bible and the heart, it's always, it, it's, 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 um, it kind of goes with the, uh, 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 or epitomizes the center of your will and your reason and your emotions. So we have to protect our mind and we have to protect our heart because they are the center of our will, our emotions, and our reason. We live in an overlap between darkness and light. Even as children of the day, we have to live in this dark world. And this dark world is full of darkness and it's full of sleepwalkers. And everywhere you turn, there are people trying to get your emotions, trying to tug at your emotions. Everywhere you turn, there are things trying to, trying to bend your will or, or change your reasoning. And here's what they're trying to do. They have a purpose and a target, and what they're trying to do is get you to go back to sleep. They're trying to get you to go back to sleep. They don't want you to be awake to the realities of Jesus Christ. Every ad is, man, buy this. If you just buy this, you'll be happy. You don't need that, you don't need that Jesus guy. Just, just do this. If you have this, if your house looks like this, right? Everything is just to, it's designed to turn you from him and put you back to sleep. And we have to be very, very careful. Now, notice what the armor is made of, and we'll close with this. Verse five, uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians verse, chapter 5, verse 8. Since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and that for helmet, the hope of salvation. So it's made, the, in, in, again, this is all symbolic, of course, but he's saying the way you put on the breastplate, the way you put on the helmet, is you clothe yourself with faith and hope and love. You see, it's these three things that can dispel the power of the sleeping pills. If you look at things like ads and television and sex and money and drinks and drugs and, and the praise of men, if you look at those things as they're trying to put you to sleep, what will dispel them, what will dispel them is putting on faith, putting on hope, and putting on love. Now that's 
sounds nice, but it's a little vague, isn't it? How do you do that? Faith in what? Hope in what? Love for what? Well, Paul doesn't leave us hanging. Romans 13, 14. He doesn't just say, put on the armor of light. Notice what else he says. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. See, what that tells us is, put on faith in Jesus Christ. Put on hope in Jesus Christ. Put on your love for Jesus Christ. It's not just faith in anything. It's not just hope in anything. It's not just love for anything. It's faith, hope, and love in Him. Now, I want to leave you with this because I'm always wanting to know practically how do you do it. That sounds great. And, and I want to protect myself from these sleeping pills, if you will. I don't want to go back to sleep. I want to stay awake until the coming of the Lord. How do I do it? Practically, how do I do it? I'll give you three things. Number one, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing the word. The word of Christ and the word about Christ. You put on Christ by doing exactly what you're doing here tonight. You put on Christ by reading about Him, reading His promises, reading about uh, you know, the, everything that's in the Bible. You read Scripture. You study Scripture. You listen to Scripture. You sit under people who teach Scripture. And what does that do in you? It builds faith. And what does faith do? Faith protects you from the sleeping pills. Faith protects you from the weapons the world would use to put you back to sleep. That's number one. Number two, Romans 15, 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. Notice what he says. Through the encouragement, how do you get hope? How do you get faith? You read, you listen, you study the Word of God. How do you get hope? Once again, through the encouragement of the Scriptures. You put on Christ, you put on hope by remembering the scriptures that you've read, listened to, and studied. You get in a tough situation and you remember, oh, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. You pull that scripture down and you make it real in your life. You have a situation and you're full of anxiety and worry and you remember, oh, bring everything with supplication and prayer to God who already knows what you have need of before you even ask. You pull those promises down, and that puts on hope. And finally, 1 John 4, 10 and 12, In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the payment for our sins. Beloved, if God loved us, we ought also to love one another. How do I put on love for Christ? I just remember what He did for me. I remember that He died for me, that He gave His life for me, that He paid my ransom, that He loved me when I didn't love Him. What does, what does John say? We love. Why? Because he first loved us. You remember that. You remember that, and it motivates you to put on love. Romans 13, 13, and we close with this. Let us walk properly as in the daytime. Paul says the night is far gone, the day's at hand. Let us walk properly as people of the light. I want to I close with this. Paul says, you are not of the night. You're not of the darkness. You are children of light. Walk like that. Act like that. Now, what happens when you do that? Well, this is what Jesus said in Matthew 5, 14 and 15. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light into all the house. 
I was thinking this week, I was born in Walker County. Um, I've never left. I've never had any inclination at all to leave. Don't want to leave. And I didn't choose any of that. I didn't choose to be born here. I didn't choose to not to want to leave. It just, it just, it was never in me to want to leave. I am, for whatever reason, I am in Walkala County. I can't bring light to Ethiopia. I can't bring light to Colombia. I can't bring light to, to the Ukraine. Where I can bring light is Walkala County. Now, some of you are from here. Some of you have moved here. But this is your home for now. And the fact is, there are people in Walkala County walking in darkness. And if we're not going to show them the light, then who is? If we're not going to do it, who is? It's up to us. That's what Paul is telling us. Listen, there is an age of darkness, but in that midst of the age, there are these people walking around, radical people, and they're acting like they're not in the dark. They're not sleepwalking. They act like they've got purpose in life. They act like they're actually living for something more than just material things. They count their life as as nothing. That's the light that we're shining forth. That's what people see. And the idea is they're supposed to see that and say, I want that. I want that. See, the question is, are we walking as people of the light? Are other people in Wakala County that's in darkness, are they seeing the light through us? I'm going to open... I finished a little early tonight. I want to open the altar for a few minutes of prayer. I've got a feeling that many of us, there's an old hymn, and it goes like this, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. See, the fact is, if I can tell you, listen, if Jesus didn't hang on to you, guess where you'd be? You'd be gone. You would absolutely be gone. But the fact is, we all get distracted through the day. We all get pulled away by other things. And my guess is that some here tonight have been distracted lately. Some of you here tonight have been kind of fallen for the sleeping pills. And your love for Christ may have grown colder than it has been at at one time. I want to open the altar up for prayer. If you just want to come tonight and spend a few minutes, we won't drag this out or make it very long. But if you want to come and just spend a little bit of time and just... You know, just ask the Holy Spirit to give you an awareness of the time. That's what Paul is talking about. Guys, you know the time. The night is far gone. The day is here. You're children of the light. You can see what other people can't see. Now go act like it. Go live like it. Go dress like it. If we're not doing that, then that's something that we need to to change. So if you will, if you want to come spend some time, um, we'll just pray for a few minutes. Ask the Lord, if you will, just to make us a light. I'm telling you, if, if you, everybody here, there's somebody in your family that doesn't know Jesus. There's somebody at your school that doesn't know Jesus. There's somebody in your workplace that doesn't know Jesus. If not you, who? If not you, who? Father, we thank you tonight, Lord, for your word. Lord, we, we, we know that this is a challenge to us written 2,000 years ago by the Apostle Paul, but it is just as real today as it was for them. You are challenging us to recognize the day and the time in which we live. And God, I, I know even then Paul saw it, but we should see it even more today that the time is growing short. 
that many prophecies have been fulfilled. The, the Jews are back in Jerusalem. The, 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 the technology that's here today is making it possible for, for people to see things that they never would have seen before and do things that they would have never done before. There, there's, every day that goes by, we're getting closer and closer and closer. And Father, that should not instill fear in us, but it should instill a sense of urgency to tell others about the gospel. God, I pray tonight that you give us boldness through the Holy Spirit. Father, if there's somebody in our lives that needs to know you and the time is growing short, both for us and them, Father, give us opportunities to talk to them about you. You make it happen. Just put us in situations where it's, as bla- it's just plain as the nose on our face that this is what we're supposed to do right now. God, give us the opportunities and then give us boldness. Father, I, I pray for our county. I mean, obviously, I need to pray for the world, but Lord, you've put us here in this county right now. I pray for our county, Lord, that you would just bring a, 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 a conviction over our county, not just in this church, but in other churches, that people will feel a drawing to the Lord in these last days, that people will come. We won't have to even go find them, but they'll come to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we'll be faithful to deliver it from our pulpits and in our classrooms and our conversations. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. I thank you for these people here tonight that came out. Lord, they could have stayed home. They could have done other things, but they want to stay awake. They want to stay awake until you come. They want to stay awake. They want to have their lamps filled up and ready to go. They are doing everything in their power. Now, God, I ask you to bless that. Bless that. Awaken faith in them tonight greater and in more and just more clearer than it was even the day before we thank you holy spirit for all you do in our life because it's all owing to you none of it is owing to us you do it all you keep us you guide us you encourage us you motivate us and we love you for that we appreciate it once again we ask you to bless this time we ask you to bless this sunday father make it some one day uh, don't This prayer that we're praying, make it happen Sunday, Lord. You don't have to happen way out in the future. This Sunday, open a blind eye. Open the blind eye. Open a deaf ear this Sunday. This Sunday, I pray, Father, that somebody, somebody comes to know you as I do. In Jesus' name, amen.